Welcome everyone to a, another podcast for our Bible studies. Um, uh, thank you for joining today, whether you be at home, in a car, wherever it may be. Thank you for joining in so we can go over this lesson in, in God's Word. Um, we are starting a new uh, section, our second study of uh, this book, Why Do I Need the Church? And uh, it's a very good question, um, which we will answer through this series uh, of why we do need the church. Why do you singular, singular, as a singular person, why do you need the church? So uh, just follow along, um, kind of read over the um, scripture, then we'll go back and look at uh, the meaning of it who wrote it, all, all good information that can be applied. So just follow along if you have God's Word with you. Um, we will be reading in this first session in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, and then we'll jump over to chapter 2, and we'll do 8 through 10, and then 19 through 22. So uh, just bear with me uh, today. Uh, still battling some sinus issues. Uh, so if I talk like I'm in a box or if I talk like uh, different uh, voices, that's just because of the sinuses messing with me. But uh, in this first session, um, we're going to talk about we are joined together. Um, uh, we are joined together as uh, in, in a body in Christ. But uh, in that... Humans are human beings, are social creatures. Uh, if you haven't noticed, when our, we were not designed to live in isolation, we desire to belong, whether it's belonging to a family, a group of friends, a social network, or a group of, uh, or a group that we all have the same interest. The church is a family, the body of Christ. Being a part of Christ's church is not an option. God's design is for us to live and serve together as his body. Christ has joined us together as his body. So we'll look at that this morning. And we'll also um, look at the point, the main point of this lesson of being joined together is when we come to Christ, we also become a part of the body of Christ. We are part of Christ. Uh, uh, so significant to know it's it's very uh, um, it's a very exciting thing to know that the one who came to save us died on a cross and resurrected on the third day for the penalty of sin is for we can have victory over that death and sin we are part of him we are part of him when it where when it says we are a part of the body of Christ so with that, uh, in the Ephesians here, kind of give you a, a tone for what we're about to read. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church he knew well. He spent about three years in Ephesus on his missionary journey um, through the books of Acts, but this is in Ephesus. Uh, since the name Ephesus does not appear in some early copies of his book, uh, some scholars believe that Paul wrote a letter to several churches in the area around Ephesus. In the book, we have 
was preserved in Ephesus. And Paul, as a church planner, wrote many letters to churches and church leaders such as Timothy and Titus. And, and we see that in the New Testament of his, his um, planting of churches and, and kind of uh, one of those things that he puts a guideline for people. But uh, so very well to look at it even today and, and use the scripture that Paul wrote to us because it's very, very meaningful to our Christian belief in our Christian walk. So, starts off with this first question. Uh, when have you felt most at home with a group of people? When you just felt comfortable. You felt that uh, you could just be yourself. You didn't have to worry about what people thought, what people uh, do, or whatever. And sometimes we get this misconception of uh, different uh, groups that we hang out around. But uh, these could be Co-workers, friends, family, church, um, life groups, whatever it may be. When have you uh, felt most at home with a group of people that you were around? Um, you know, a lot of people uh, want to say different groups do different things that make you feel this way, make you feel that way. But which ones make you feel most at home? Well, in Ephesians here, again, we're going to be in... Uh, Ephesians 1 uh, and then Ephesians 2, uh, a couple of verses in both. So we're going to go ahead and read that, and then again, we're going to go ahead and uh, go back and apply it and see uh, the meanings of, 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 of the scripture. So, starting with verse 20 in Ephesians 1, um, the Bible reads, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heaven in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head of over all the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Jump over to Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 here. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of, the, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 19 through 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So, um, with that, uh, some good wording here that we see from Ephesians that um, Paul has put together for us to see that we are a part of the body of Christ. 
but the New Testament writers use various metaphors to describe God's church here, uh, such as flock, temple, household, gathering, and so forth. You hear so many different descriptions for it now. But the most frequently used metaphor is the body. We are a body of Christ. Through this picture, we learn that each Christ follower is a member or part of the body, while Jesus Christ is the head. Bodies can have multiple hands, feet, fingers, toes, ears, eyes, hairs, and even kidneys. But a body possesses only one head. So if the church is considered a body, then that body can only have just one head. Then it only makes sense that Jesus would be the head of the church, of the body. How is being a part of a church different from being a part of any other organization? Some people <clears throat> think that it is just another organization, but it's not. It's not just some club. It's not just some social gathering. Um, it is uh, a lot of things to go and praise God, to be fed through His Word, and be together as the body of Christ. Consider what this passage tells us about God's demonstration uh, of His power through His Son, Jesus. As Paul has pointed out here, a couple of things. God raised Jesus from the dead. He seated Jesus at the right hand of uh, the throne in place of authority over every ruler. He put everything under Jesus' authority. He gave Jesus an internal rule. And not only in this age, but what is also to come. Jesus uh, was appointed as the head over everything for the church and appointed Jesus to fill all things in every way. In other words, everything finds its purpose in Jesus. Christ is the head of his body, the church. And that is just, uh, we see that in God's word, but we must know that going to church, he is the head of the church. But in that, we also see that Christ brought us into his church by his grace. He, he, he was graceful enough, uh, looking back at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, he was graceful enough, so, for it says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is from the gift of God. It's not of us. It's not of our works. We shouldn't boast that it is our works. For we are his workmanship created in, the, in Christ Jesus, Unto good works. It's because of what Jesus Christ done for us, paying the penalty for sin and rising three days later, that he gives that gracefully to us to be workmanship of him. And we should walk in knowing that. A few passages of scripture sum up Jesus' work on our behalf again of what we just read, uh, but we're going to kind of deep. Uh, dive a little bit deeper into the meaning here. Uh, we are saved, number one. The need to be saved implies peril. We cry for help when our lives are in danger. We should trust in Him that He is going to do so. We need to trust that when we call out to Him, He hears us. 
Secondly, we are saved by grace. Grace describes God's undeserved favor toward sinful humanity. The one we've sinned against initiates the salvation we need. That's why when you go back and see that God loved us first, that is so true because he didn't have to do the things that he did. Jesus came to earth to walk as man, to pay the penalty on the cross as God, and then died and rose again. Those things that show us that uh, that God loved us first and is so graceful enough to provide a way out, to provide a way to get through our sinful nature that was created so from the beginning of time. We are saved by grace through faith. Some people think faith is simply a shot in the dark, an intellectual leap, or just believing without seeing. But that's not how the Bible describes faith. It's not how God said faith is. Faith is accepting the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done to reconcile us to God. We must believe what happened on the cross, what he done before the cross, and what it means after the cross, what it means to have victory over death and sin. That is our faith. And and most people think that we can be saved through works. Well, we just seen and we read again that we cannot be saved by just being good. Because if we think that, then we go back to it being us, it being the person saves the their their own self, and that's not true. Jesus already paid that price, so there's no there's no need of saving yourself, other than the fact of believing in Him, and saving yourself by what He's already done. It's not something that. Uh, you're going to work toward in life. It's not a an accomplishment of doing good things. Salvation is already given to us freely for what a, a paid price that has already been done. Lastly, here every aspect of our salvation is God's gift to us, not work done by us, as I was talking about. Twice in this passage, Paul reminded us that no work in our part can earn salvation. Rather, the entire process is a gift of God's grace, God's sovereign, merciful, and gracious work on our behalf enables us to be saved and to come into His church. Well, with that, uh, that meaningful uh, steps right there, or per se, of, of the work, that has already been done on our behalf. Why does God save sinners like you and me? Why does He do it? Doesn't isn't He Almighty enough to just know that we're sinners and we're going to perish because of our behavior toward God or rebellious acts? We might think it's simply because He loves us, and He mostly does. He loves us enough, like I said, to send His only begotten Son, but He saves us for a bigger reason than just to display His love. 
We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Do you see that distinction? God doesn't save us by our good works. He saves us for his good works. God saves us to show his divine handiwork and through our redeemed lives, he displays for the world his character, love, and glory. And the local church is the best place where he does the best. We are disciples being discipled to help disciple others. We got to show the same love that he shows us to other people so that they see his good works. Now, what is the difference or what's the relationship between grace, faith, and works? Why? Uh, It's hard to just have one and not have the other. You must have grace that was supplied to us to have faith of that grace to provide the good work that God is going to do through us for somebody else. Now, in the last of the verses in 19 through 22, we see that we are members in Christ's church. It's not just our church. We see that we are members in his church. God has always had a people. The Old Testament records God's calling uh, to Israel to himself. They were God's chosen people among the nations, the Gentiles. God commanded the Jews to obey him, tell of his greatness, and believe his promises. The greatness of which was the promise of salvation for both Jew and Gentile alike. Now, it is that's what's good significance about that meaning is it's for everyone, the Jew and Gentile alike, the two separates of the people. Everyone has a promise of salvation. Our culture is becoming increasingly individualistic. Pride is is rampant more than anything I've ever seen. Uh, the person wants to, you know, project their self up, and it's hard not to allow the that re- reality to affect the way we view the church. But Scripture presents a radically different approach. The church is not simply about me or my needs. The church is. God's household and his family, that's his household. It is the body of whom Christ died. And we come to Christ. And when we do that, we also become a part of the body of Christ. We are the body. And some of those things that points back to when we come to Christ, we also become the part of the body. We are the body. Now, looking at what we read over and put together and meaningful about these verses of Paul speaking to us, how will you embrace your role as a member of Christ's church? Uh, A couple things here that we can do. We can confess, submit, and commit. 
confess to adopt the a right mindset of your part in Christ church confess any wrong attitudes you hold or have previously held about individuals in the local church church is not a place to have that type of mindset where you uh, think indifferently about somebody else we need to stop focusing on what everybody else is doing in the church and we need to start focusing on what as a person what we're doing to go into God's house and focus on our Savior focus on God's Word and focus on being a disciple so that somebody else can hear the good word we must submit we must uh, look over and study Ephesians 1 20 through 23 and reflect upon the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Submit your life to His authority and control. Take I out of it. His authority, His control. We need to we need to take the pride factor out. We need to stop boasting ourselves and look toward Him. And commit. If you're not a member of a local church, pursue membership to begin experiencing the beauty of living together in the household of God. And this might mean going through a membership uh, or getting in a certain study. Uh, I know we are kind of out of doing certain groups together, but we're kind of going back, whether it be a life group, whether it be a Bible study, or start your own group that you want to do Bible studies. Get in that type of group. But if you're already a member, commit yourself anew to the covenant and mission of your church. We are to grow disciples. While our experiences with the church in the past can affect our, our approach to the church today, but God's grace can help us embrace a healthy view of our role in the Christ church, make a, a conscious decision to commit to God's view of His church rather than a human approach. But when we come to Christ, again, we are also becoming a part of body, the body of Christ. And just as the California redwoods grow by the united togetherness of their roots, so also Christians grow by the united togetherness of our souls. We are the body. The body helps people disciples people a lot of good things come out of the church and that's what we'll be continuing to go on of why do i need the church we're joined together and then we'll go to uh other studies here that we are of one and that's what we're going to see through paul's writings in ephesians of why we need the church so much well, thank you for joining me today in this podcast, and, and I hope you share this or put it out for others, and by all means, let me know uh, what I need to touch up on. I'm still um, trying to figure out things about doing podcasts that I've never done before. Uh, might sound funny, might sound uh, indifferent in doing these, but uh, just let me know how it's going um, and what I may can improve on to, to do these things.
Well, I hope you have a good day, and uh, thank you for joining in to another Bible study.